Hello, my fellow saints and my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Connecting the Dots. Welcome to the show. Are you ready for some Bible study? Are you ready to hear what the Word of God has to say today? Without any further ado, I'm going to get right into this. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. Bible study is one of the most vital vital duty I like to call it or tools that we need to get more into as the church it's very vital and it's almost a necessity if you ask me a necessity for us to study God's word but not only study God's word study God's word rightly divided. That's very important, especially in the times that we are going through right now with the, the false doctrine and so much denominationalism and all kind of uh, error teaching things that's going on in the church today. Me, myself, I just got to the point that I'm burnt out with religion. I'm, I'm, I'm wore out and burnt out with tradition. And I'm not here to go knock nobody else's churches. I'm not here to really knock nobody else's denomination. But I do speak up on denominations and the problems that they're causing in the body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ, the people that's in the body, not the church goers. Because it's very important, saints, men and women of God, to know the difference. You have a building. And your building has a certain denominational name. And you attend that church because you are affiliated with that denominational name. Now, what goes into that church building? What is the church for? Now, according to man-made traditions and where we was uh, taught to believe, the building is where the loss comes in. To be, or I heard the term, the church uh, building is where the sick, the spiritual sick and the lost supposed to come. Now, is that biblical? Is that from the Bible? Does the word of God teach the church being that way? Think about that. Does the word of God, all through the word of God, no matter what dispensation it is or what message has been preached gospel wise, has the church ever been a place for the sick and needy or social activities? Now, let me define church. Church is mentioned three times. Church means assembly or ecclesia, the Greek word, ecclesia. And what the church is mentioned in the Bible, that meaning ecclesia, always means a group of people, organism, a group of people. It always meant a group of gathering of believers, whether it was the church in the wilderness, whether it was the messianic church, the kingdom church, or whether it's the, God, the grace church that's under the Apostle Paul and the church that's uh, going on today. If you look at those gatherings of those churches and you take the Bible literally, you will know that the church always through the Bible was believers. 
okay, was believers. Whether they was followers of the Mosaic Law, whether they was followers of the kingdom program in Jesus' earthly ministry, or whether they was followers under the Apostle Paul, the Gospel of the Grace program, the church was always known as being believers and believers that gathered together and ministered to each other and built each other up. That's, that's the definition of the church in the Bible. That's the true definition of the church of the Bible. So what I am saying, the true definition of the church was never a gathering of unbelievers. That might be shocking to some people that listens to me in some churches. If you really look at the church of in the Bible, it was always the church was always built up. Let's 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 look for another for in, for instance or something else. Then I'm gonna get into the book of Colossians and finish teaching up on that. Jesus' earthly ministry, the twelve that followed Jesus. I'm saying this as plainly as I can. The main followers of Jesus, Jesus gave them a name. He called them the little flock. Now, that wasn't only the 12, but it was, you know, they was like the leaders of the followers of Jesus. They was called the little flock. The little flock was part of the Messianic church waiting for their Messiah. They believed them. They believed that they believed Jesus was the Christ, the the. Uh, the prophesied Messiah King that's supposed to set up his kingdom for Israel. So they followed Jesus. They was part of that group of church, you know, called assembly, called ecclesia. That was the church. Now, this, the group of people that Jesus ministered, ministered to, uh, like the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes and those things like that, the majority of those people out there was not part of the Messianic Kingdom. They was listeners, but they wasn't part of the Messianic Kingdom. The little flock in that group was, but everybody out there was not. You follow what I'm saying? Only the ones was qualified to be part of the Church of the Kingdom back then was the 12 and the other little flock that followed him, men and women that believed Jesus, because there was quite a few women that followed him and other unnamed uh, disciples which they was called then that followed Jesus anybody that believed that Jesus was the son of God, believed he was the uh, prophesied Messiah believe he was their king became part of the messianic church the kingdom church they became the little flock and the followers of Jesus all believers okay let me give you another another example uh, when Stephen got stoned he talked about he made that long sermon he talked about the church and the wilderness see the church in the wilderness was a bunch of followers, a bunch of assembled up believers that believed in the word of Moses. So they followed Moses. There was another church which was called the church in the wilderness. Okay. Moses laid out the law. It was only a remnant. It's always a remnant that only followed Moses that became really the church. See, 
God had to wipe out many because of their disobedience. They were not part of the church. <clears throat> it was the only ones that was part of that church following. It was only that group that Moses really laid down the law and the ones that obeyed was considered part of that group, the church, the church in the wilderness, <laughs> the followers of Moses. Then you got the gospel of the grace of God, the ministry under the apostle Paul. All 13 letters or epistles that Paul teaches out of is to who? Believers. Now you have an exception of some Jews that are not saved and some Jews that's part of the kingdom program, the other church, okay, the kingdom program, the future church for the Jews. But either way it go, when you look at the definition of the church of the Bible, it was always ones that agreed and that was with, in one accord. It was never the unsaved. You, you follow what I'm saying? It was never the unsaved. When you read the Bible literally, the definition of the church, all you got to do is look at it simple that way. See? Simply that way. Now, this is nothing that was taught to me. That's just the way it is. That's the way I see it in the Bible. It's just almost like common sense. When a definition comes up, make sure it's lining up with the word of God, not with tradition. Not with tradition. Make sure that it lines up with the word of God. So if you look at it that way, and you can go back, you won't find nothing different. Look in the Bible. When Jesus ministered uh, to Israel, he, he talked about them. He even rebuked a lot of them, followed him for some reason. Not to get to know who he was, but they followed him because of he was feeding them and doing types of, all types of miracles and different things like that. See, they were not part of the little flock. Matter of fact, it's proven when Jesus talked about the comforter was coming and he told Peter in the 12 about that. They, was gonna, they met up in the upper room. Now, thousands and many thousands followed Jesus. Not because he was the Messiah. It's because what they can get from him. You know, freeloaders. When Jesus got crucified, the majority of the people scattered, even the 12. They finally came back, but the majority of these so-called followers scattered and never showed up again. They never looked after Jesus died. They ran. They, 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 they scattered. So when Jesus did come back, I know they heard the rumors, but who met up in that upper room? According to the Bible, it was only 120 after. Uh, 120 from over thousands and thousands, maybe ten thousands of people that followed Jesus, only 120 wind up in that room. Did they hear the same message? Yes, they heard the same message, but only 120 wind up in the upper room, which was part of what? The little flock. A little, uh, uh, some came later through John's ministry, but that wind up being part of the little flock. You follow what I'm saying? Apostle Paul, his teachings are to the majority of the church, the body of Christ in that dispensation. Well, Paul talks about certain things we need to do, how we need to take off this, how we need to put on this, how we need to be in our marriage and stuff like that. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to the saved, the believers, part of the body of Christ. That's the church. When Paul talks about different things, when he talks about uh, Colossians 3 and 11, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, he's talking to the body of Christ, not unbelievers. These messages are for the saved.
The saved are only ones that can walk through what Paul is telling them. The unsaved cannot. So we looked at the Bible the wrong way so many times. See? Why is I'm saying that? Because I want people to understand that listens what the church, the definition of the church and the Bible was. And it wasn't for the lost souls. It wasn't for social gatherings or trying to help the poor, nothing like that. It wasn't a spiritual hospital for the unsaved to come in and get hit. No, those are man-made traditions. They are not a definition of the true Bible church. Ouch, I know that hurt, but it's the Bible. Now, Colossians. Let's get into Colossians 3. It's been a while since I got into that, but I'm going to, if I have a little leeway time, what I have been doing. I have not been neglecting the word of God, but I have, I have been a little slack on finishing off Bible study here and uh, connecting the dots. Okay, so I apologize for that. But let's get right into uh, Colossians 3. We left out in Colossians, I believe, what's that? 2, 14 and 23. We left off uh, with that. I'm not going to go back. You have to just go back uh, to those uh, tapes yourself or those shows yourself and catch up. So I'm going to jump right in to Colossians 3 and these are for the ones that have been following me. I, I'll get, it might be about 15 more minutes or so of doing this. But let's get into Colossians. But first I want I want you to all to understand I, uh, I talked about and I tried to uh, give y'all a little background on the book of Colossians. You can find it in the previous chapters which I'm not going to go through now because I want you all to do that. And uh, and who was the author of the book of Colossians? The Apostle Paul. Many of you know that already. The Apostle Paul is the author of the book of Colossians. Who is the Apostle Paul teaching his message, message to? He's teaching his message to the body of Christ, the church, not unbelievers. This message is to the body of Christ. These and what else? Are, these are mature believers. These are believers that have been standing in the faith. Remember I said that the book, uh, like uh, the book of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and First and Second Timothy are more mature uh, believers and listeners. That's, that's kind of standing strong in the faith. Paul is even older at this time. So he's teaching. The fullness is about revealed in these books. He's not teaching in part like he was in First and Second Timothy. He only knew partial. He only knew partial in First and Second Thessalonians and Galatians, but he knew the full mystery of the Word of God in these letters like uh, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, and Titus, etc. Okay? The other books, Hebrews through Philemon, are a Jewish books. The books of James and Peter are for the Jews. They are not for the church, the body of Christ. Okay? So, uh, let's get into this. I'm going to start off with Colossians 3 and 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Okay? Let me read this again. This is the beginning of Colossians 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Number 2. Set your affection 
on things above. Now remember, I, I'm reading out the King James Bible now, okay? For the ones that's just tuning in. Verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. 3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. And then 5, I'm going to stop right there because those are the ones I'm going to verse by verse break it down. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is adultery. Let me read that again, verse 5, 3 and 5. Mortify therefore all your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is adultery. Okay, now let's go to 3 and 1. Let's just let's get a, a, a study of what's going on. Paul starts off with this if ye then been risen with Christ seek those things which are above now what I want you to uh, look at is the word ye look at ye now when the King James mentions ye that's kind of like a plural message he's not talking to a personal person he's mostly saying ye ye as in group it's more plural, it's not singular. So if he's saying, if ye then been in Christ, Paul is talking to more than one person. He's not talking to an individual. The King James uh, vernacular I'm talking about. If ye then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, first of all, the ye is the church. The ye is the body of Christ, for instance. That's who Paul talking to, the body, okay? Then he said, if ye then been risen with Christ. Now, this is spiritually not because we know we're not risen with Christ now. The resurrection of our spirits, not our body, that will happen at the time of the capture, the, uh, <clears throat> the catching away of the church. But this is talking about us spiritually. Remember, right now we are spiritually in Christ in the heavenly places. Now, a lot of us cannot comprehend that, comprehend that but according to the Word of God, and Paul is teaching we those that believed what Jesus done for them and received it are risen with Christ his death burial and his resurrection are spiritually risen with Christ in the heavenly places how was that able to happen because in the book of Ephesians remember, remember he said we was quickened we was quickened quickened mean made alive that means our spirit was made alive when we accepted Christ as our Savior by believing what he done for us. So that's what makes us spiritually to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus because we, because of our oneness in the body. And by us being one in the body, wherever Christ is, we are there too spiritually. Let me say it again. Wherever Christ is at, which is in the heavenly places, spiritually, we are there with him and we're going to meet him with our supernatural bodies uh, before or right at the catching away of the church but spiritually we are in Christ let me continue so if that's the case seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God now where the Christ where's Christ sitting now remember in the book of Acts Timothy mentioned Christ standing he's seen Christ standing on the right hand of, uh, right hand of God and that's 
quite a few interpretations what that meant. Most grace believers mean that Christ was getting prepared to come back down. That means <clears throat> he was about to return. Now, you can look at that in two ways. Before Christ comes back uh, to return, <clears throat> the tribulation at that time had to take place. Now, I'm talking about under the kingdom program now, not the, not the church, not the body of Christ. The tribulation had to take place. So if Christ was standing up, he was preparing himself to come back. But remember, he couldn't come back, according to prophecy, until after the seven-year tribulation. So many grace believers believe Christ was preparing to come back. If Israel would have accepted him and would have believed. Remember that was the third strike in Acts 7. If they would have believed Jesus would have prepared and came back. But it would have had to be after the tribulation. He would have prepared them because they would have went through the tribulation anyway. And Christ would have returned and set up his kingdom. Okay. But that didn't happen. We know it was postponed. That did not happen. So. When Paul says seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God, Christ is still sitting. And we know he never returned. That's going to be in the future. So Christ is sitting on the right hand of God right now. Sitting. That don't mean God is sitting in one giant large throne chair and sight and Christ is sitting in a little one like Les Feldick says it does not mean that it just means as position God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are in heaven right now. Christ sits on the right hand of God okay right now okay so two says set your affection on things above affection like means your mind Set your thoughts on things above, not on things on the earth. By you, by me and you knowing that Christ sits at the right hand of God, and at, in the body of Christ, we know our destiny is the heavenly places. The King James says the heavenly places, which means in heaven. Where? I don't know. But it just says the heavenly places. Since we know these blessings are for us, the heavenly places, the heavenly blessings, our places blessed with all spiritual blessings our destiny and our blessings are spiritual Israel's are physical on the earth the kingdom of heaven program is mostly physical our destination and our blessings are spiritual and we have a lot of promises that's even better than the uh, the Jews promises you know because the Bible does say that we have better promises and we have spiritual blessings in the heavenly places if we know that and if we believe that, we need to concentrate and always keep our affections, our mind on those things which are above, not on things on the earth. You see that? We don't need to be concentrated or uh, uh, worrying about Israel's program. We don't need to worry about gaining material things on the earth. We don't need to be talking about the Joel Osteen type of preacher, you know, our best things are our best times now. There's nothing down here for us that's going to make us eternally joyful and peaceful and happy. There's none of that down there. Our future blessings are in the heavenly places. Okay? Our future blessings are in the heavenly places. Set our mind, affections on things above, not on things on the earth, if we know we are in Christ. Okay?
who's sitting on the right hand of God. Verse 3, Colossians 3 and 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's, that's almost exactly what I was just saying. We are spiritually, not physically, we are spiritually in Christ. We are spiritually dead in Christ. You never heard this type of teaching from Jesus in an earthly ministry. See, this is Jesus teaching what he told Paul for the body of Christ for the heavenly places. This is what happened when a person receives Jesus Christ as Savior by believing what he did, his death, burial, resurrection, which is the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, we, the spirit is quickened and we are dead in Christ and our life is hid with Christ. Not our physical bodies, but our spirit, our blessings are hid in Christ, okay? Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we ye also appear with him in glory. Let me read this again. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, let me tell you what this is not saying. This is what it's not saying. It's not saying when Christ appear, we're going to come back with him. I know it sounds like that, but check this out. I'm going to tell you how that don't make sense. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. It sounds like the second coming almost. Some people might look at this uh, verse in 3 and 4. It sounds somewhat like the second coming. It meaning we're going to come back with him. When he appears, we're going to appear with him when we come back. This is what it's saying because it contradicts the catching the way of the church. The catching the way of the church, Christ is going to not put his foot on the earth. The trump, is going to, the trump of God is going to sound And who's going to meet him in the, in the air? We're going to meet them, him in the air Our spirits See, now our, our, our immortal bodies, I'm sorry Will meet him in the air Anyone before that died Before the catching away Their spirits is already in the heavenly places But if I get caught in a rapture Instantly I'm going to have an immortal body this old, fleshly, smelly, dirty body, overweight body, is going back to the dirt where it belongs. But I'm going to have a new, supernatural, immortal bodies. I and any other believer will meet Christ in the air, and he will meet us. So when it says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, appear, listen to appear, not, you know, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. This is the rapture. We're going to appear with him because he's going to call us and we're going to appear with him in the air. Not come back with him. We're not coming back with him. See? Now, people get that mixed, back, mixed up with the second coming of Christ. They believe the church and they believe the saints are going to come back with Christ. No. Who's going to come back with Christ? The angels. They're going to come back with Christ. Not the ones that's in heaven, not us, not the body of Christ. We're not coming back in Christ's second coming to make war. I know that was traditionally, we was traditionally taught that, but we are not the bride and we will not be coming back the second coming. The church, the body of Christ will not be coming back with Christ. Christ is coming back with the angels. He's not coming back with the old kingdom saints or nothing like that. See, that's a, that's a separate thing. He's not coming back with the old kingdom saints or the body of Christ. That's if you believe that the body of Christ, when we got catched away, caught up, 
and the rapture, the taking away, that means whoever was in heaven, the old kingdom saints, and the body of Christ, that means that we are coming back with him if you believe that we are the ones and the saints that's coming back with Christ. But there's many uh, uh, verses in the Bible that contradicts that, and, and those verses only mentions angels coming back in different ways, Matthew and a lot of places. The angels coming back. The church, the believers and churchgoers took that verse of the saints coming back, that one verse, and just said it was the church coming back. But it contradicts the other messages in the Bible about the angels coming back with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I can't get to those verses now right off back. But the angels will be coming back to Jesus and fight with him. And if you go back in the past, who was doing the wars and the fighting? The angels are always known as fighters. You know, Mike, uh, Michael is known as the head chief. Gabriel was just known as a messenger. And then talk about his fighting. Michael had to help Gabriel in the book of Daniel. You see what I'm saying? But there was a God always had his soldiers of angels fighting for him. Why all of a sudden he would use us to come back with him? Whether you believe it's with angels or not, the angels don't need the church. See, to come back with them. So those ones that would be coming back with Jesus is angels, you know. Okay. For when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also meet with him. Now remember that ye mean plural. He's talking to the church, the body of Christ as a whole. This is the catching away. This is the church. We're going to appear with him in the air, not coming back with him. You know, that don't make any sense. Now, chapter 5, and I'm going to stop right here. I mean, verse 5, 3 and 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Oh, these glasses are really bad. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is adultery. Mortify, in other words, put in check take off or some verses said put off therefore your members anything that's disobedient that you're doing with your parts your members of your body take it off anything that's contrary to the things of God we need to take it off and stop it put it in subjection and then he names what those some of those things are fornication Uncleanness, inordinate affection or unnatural affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, and adultery. Now, this is adultery. Not he didn't say adultery, even though adultery is part of the group too. But he's talking about worshiping idols or worshiping anything above God, which is adultery. Then six says, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Hmm. Really. God is going to come down on the body of Christ when we do that. Now, you got to understand, <clears throat> when you're reading, I, I, I talk about traditions a lot. When you read this verse, and I used to read it the same way, I was kind of confused. And that sounded like, man, we can judge by sin. If we start committing fornication in the church, the body of Christ, all these things, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, there's just evil desires. That's what that evil concupiscence and stuff like that, evil desires. You know, filthy desires and stuff like that. Covetousness. Trying to cover and hold on and grab something that's not yours. Adultery. 
worshiping other things over God. Now, if we was taught to believe if we do this, God's wrath will come down because we are disobedient. This is what, that's, that's not saying that because that's contrary because God is not imputing sins on no one according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. He's not going to pour his wrath. Remember, therefore, there's no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, it's contradictory. We are not going to go through the wrath. So if this meant that, that means God contradicted himself. No. For which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of obedience. He's letting you know the ones that's unsaved, the disobedient ones. His wrath is going to come on them because this is the way they live. You see what I'm saying? Let's read this again. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Uncleanness. Why do he put fornication first? I don't know, but I'm going to try to get back to that. Uncleanness. Inordinate affection. Evil concupiscence. Evil desires. Covetousness, which is adultery. For which things the wrath of God is going to come of the children of those obedience. In other words... For these things, these are the things that the unsaved do. And that's why God's wrath is going to come down on them. Plainly put, that's what this is saying. Not the body of Christ. Not the church because we, we messed up. Now, we're we supposed to take these things out. But God is not going to come down on us or his, put his wrath on us. He said we're not under wrath. And all of a sudden, every time we sin and do something, going to put his wrath on us. No, this is not what this are saying. This is just uh, showing the difference between way we should we should be walking and living compared to the unworld because this is where the unworld and I mean the worldly and the unsaved walk therefore that's why God's wrath is coming down on their on their evilness not their sins but their wicked evil ways remember because they're not getting charged for sins all right I'm going to start right there and then when I start again I'm going to get into seven and try to at least go to 12 or 13 okay but I'm going to start right there Remember, first verse, we have to understand this. If ye then been risen with Christ, if you are part of the church, you are risen with Christ. He's making an example. If or since you have been risen with Christ, see those things on above. See, that's what they're saying. Since, you know, I like since better than if, you know. I don't agree in everything that Trent, uh, King James says because it sounds like it's contradicting that he's not talking to the body of Christ or so if these things are going to happen. But that if, because you got to understand the old English, that's the way they talk. If broken down means sense. See, that's why people are messed up on, uh, messed up on when it comes to First uh, Corinthians 13 and stuff like that. It's a lot of mixed up when it comes to the King James. I get it. So let me change that. If you then be risen with Christ since you have been risen with Christ. Your translation might even say that, which is correct. S since you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. See, that's what Paul is saying. Not if as in, you know, you're not saved yet or if you get saved, seek your no. It's since. Remember, he's, remember what I said earlier, he's talking to the believers, not the unsaved. He's talking to the body of Christ. So that's if and since. Since you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection. Remember, that's another translation that means mind. Your Bible might say mind or thoughts or conscience. 
your translation. I think the Living Bible says mind, which is correct, which is cool. But set your affection or set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Our focus as the church, the body of Christ, is supposed to be set on the heavenly places, period. Not on earthly things like that. Now, what I'm, what I'm saying is we shouldn't have a desire to want to better ourselves in business or have a desire to get married or have a desire to have nice, nice things. This is not what Paul was talking about. This is not what he was talking about, okay? Now, when you read 3 to 5, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate, and affection. Those are all what? Earthly things. You see? So when Paul says, set your mind or affection on things above, not on things on the earth. This is part of the things on the earth we're not supposed to be setting our mind on. Members, fornica I mean fornication, uncleanness, inordinate, or uh undesirable or inordinate affections uh, evil concupiscence or evil desires and covetousness which is adultery that's earthly things those are carnal things the body of Christ the church is not supposed to be setting our desires on those things but the desires of the heavenly places because why we are heavenly bound okay we are heavenly bound got it Okay, alright Verse 3 again For you are dead and your life is here with Christ I broke this down We are part of the body of Christ We was baptized in Christ Therefore spiritually We are dead in Christ Not physically because we're still here We are spiritually dead in Christ Because we are quickened And we have been baptized in Christ Not water but baptized in Christ Okay And also baptized into his death When Christ who is our life shall appear We shall we shall also appear with him in glory. Now, remember, I said that appearing means we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to appear together. We're going to be together. We're going to be appearing with him in the air for the ones that's already here. See, the ones that died before us, they're not going to be coming back with him. But we're going to appear with him in the heavenly places. Those are the ones that was left here will appear with him in the heavenly places. Okay. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. Okay. So, since... Paul says, since I'm telling you all this, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Seek those things in the heavenly places. Those are the things you ought to be seeking. Therefore, you don't need to be seeking these earthly carnal things. Verse 5. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate and affections, evil concubines and covetousness, which is adultery. Then you go to 6. For which things... Say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Who seeks these type of carnal things the majority of the time? Because we have we have weak uh, believers that does cover these certain things. But God's wrath is not coming on them because they're part of the church. They're in the body. But the unsaved, God's wrath is coming on them because they're not part of the body. So he don't want us living like the unsaved. You know, the unsaved will have the wrath of God coming on them. See, you understand what I'm saying? For which things sake the wrath of God, or this is why the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. Who's the children of the disobedience? Not the saved, the unsaved. I'm going to read one more verse and I'm going to prove this. Why? Listen to this. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience? 
Context is important. Listen to seven. Into which ye also walk sometime. See? In other words, this is where you used to walk. This is where you used to walk. So he's talking about the unsaved. And the which ye also walk sometime, which ye lived in them. That's the way we used to walk in that way. So he's giving you an example how the unsaved walk. And we used to walk that way, but not no more in Christ spiritually. I'm talking about spiritually now. Because you got to remember, this is very important, church. The spirit man is going to heaven, not the flesh. The flesh still acts up when you let it. When you, you give more will to the flesh. When Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That still happens today. The spirit is always willing, but the flesh, we usually give more to the flesh. You read Romans 7 where Paul struggled with his what? His flesh. Not his spirit man. His spirit man knew how the law was and whatever like that. But his flesh. The law just showed him the wrong that he was doing. The law called it out what he was doing. So the flesh always had, you know, we submit, we gave more to the flesh than the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? You know, but we have a choice. We don't have to. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop right there. I hope y'all got something out of that. When I come back, I'm going to continue in Romans 7 on down. Maybe I'll go down to 12, 13 to 14. Uh, time, if time permits and everything like that. In the book of Colossians. Okay. Now. With all that being said, let me give you an update what's going on with me. Some good things, nothing bad. The update, update what's going on with me for the time right now. I'm, I'm into some more endeavors. And I'm, I'm kind of sp uh, spread out thin right now. So I'm going to lighten up on certain things. It won't be connecting the dots because Bible study must go on. But I have another show called Body of Christ Real Talk. I'm going to lighten up on that. Not in doing it, but as in time. I'm going to be giving it at least 15 minutes of time. And that also will help me uh, out in my budget as well. Okay. So I would do, I would do less uh, teaching on Body of Christ. And I have, I have 400 Shows on there now I have a lot to keep going around Because nobody is sucking up the whole 400 You know in this, this podcast So it's a lot of material uh, On Body of Christ Real Talk For people to uh, get a lot of information Because it's, whatever I talked Even from two years ago Is still relevant for the day Remember whatever I stopped when, when I first started doing the Body of Christ Whatever I talked then Is still relevant for today Okay, all right. So I'm going to be doing at least, giving at least 15 minutes of time with some very careful thought out or just some off the top, off the cuff information and body of Christ real talk. Okay. Now, what I will be getting more into uh, in this order, in this order is uh, I'm writing now. I'm getting into writing uh, ebooks. Uh, yay! So I'll be doing some ebooks, and I just finished my first ebook. And uh, I posted it on Facebook and everything like that for anyone, including yourself that's listening, wants that uh, read my ebook, which is very short. It's only 20 chapters long. It have about, what, 23, 24 pages with all the plot explaining and stuff like that. You know, very interesting book. It's a fiction book. 
It's not a Christian book. It's a fictional book. But it has a lot of Christian examples in it. I made it that way on purpose because it's representing, not representing, but it's telling a story of a personal life that I went through and my fiance. And it's called Mr. Boo and Princess Nemo Fu. And now you probably say, why is why that name? I'm not going to get into that. Uh, maybe later on down the line when I explain the book a little openly. Because this book is a fast action book. And it has a lot of mystic and uh, different things like that. It's not a lot of dialogue with the characters. Which is uh, uh, Mr. Boo and Princess Nemo Fu. It's more of a narrated type of short story. That means somebody just telling a story with very little dialogue in the characters. Okay, so but it's very interesting. You go right through it. It's, it has to do with a long distance relationship. Uh, uh, Mr. Boo and Nemo, Christ, uh, Princess Nemo Fu, excuse me, has been in a, over a 16 year uh, long distance relationship and they never even met each other, but they've been keeping in touch, you know, through different uh, digital ways and stuff like that, you know. So it's very interesting. And I'm going to break that later on down the line what that means. With me and whatever like that But what I, what, what I want you to get is very interesting It's very short It's not long It's not real wordy But I had it uh, set like in a medieval More Shakespearean Old English type of way of speaking So it's a lot of big words in there Words that I don't even use I had a little help To really uh, get it Get the grammar together Stuff like that I, now, I didn't do it all by myself It's my story uh, story I made it up But I had a little help From different tools And stuff like that To help to get it out there But it is my story And the more I do that You know I, I get more into my story Now also If you're interested in that Now you know I want you to check it out It's, it's more like a children's book it's, I wouldn't call it a romance book Because romance can mean Living in fun I'm not, I'm not into that But it is a love story In itself you know, it's fictional, but it's, it's a love story. Also, I have another book that I'm finishing up about my life story, my struggle with maladaptive daydreaming. It's a little longer book, not real long, and I will get, I will be getting into that so you know what's going on with that. But that's totally my story. I, I only use the grammar correction, the spelling correction, but it is my story because don't nobody know your story like yourself. So it's my story. I don't need nobody to add nothing to it because it's my full story. Not like... Uh, Princess Nemo 4 Where I have some help in This one is just me All the way Because I can tell a, Nobody can tell a story Like yourself So those things Is what I'm doing right now I'm also going to be doing A little radio Later on down the line And I'm going to be Talking about that But for now Because my time is running out That's why I'm talking faster We'll be getting back With the study Of the Book of Colossians And then I hope You enjoyed this And I hope you just I will keep you posted On what's going on With me and the future God bless you all This is Joseph Brownlee Connecting the dots. Bye-bye.